is 30. I think that's what it is. Yeah, chapter 30, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 20. This uh, last part of chapter 30, it's a continuation of Deuteronomy 29. It's the story of the covenant or the section on the covenant uh, that God instructed Moses to make with Israel on the plains of Moab. So it's an intermediary covenant, renewing the covenant from Mount Sinai uh, before they enter into the land. I'm looking at the wrong part of my notes here. Here we go. So it's the final part of this section here. Uh, Chapter 30, beginning at verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give to them. This is God's word. Moses makes two points in this, these 10 verses. The first is in verses 11 through 14. The law is doable and knowable. The law is doable and knowable. See in verse 11, this commandment I have commanded you is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. Now, I can tell my son Ethan to touch his nose, and he may or may not follow that commandment. He is following it, okay? It's doable, and he may or may not choose to follow it. I can tell him to touch the ceiling, and no matter how badly he wants to obey my commandment, there is no way he can reach the ceiling up here, however high that is, 18 feet or whatever it is. Okay, so there's a difference between things that are doable but we don't do and things that are in the nature of the case undoable for us. Moses says, the law is not too hard for you, it is doable. But there's a little bit of a tension here with earlier in his sermon. Or, or this covenant. In verse chapter 29, verse 4, do you remember there he said, to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Okay, the law is doable. It's not too hard for Israel, but it's unclear if Israel's hearts are such that they will in fact obey. Okay, so it's doable. They're culpable for not following it. And yet... 
uh, Israel, there's a big question mark. Are they the kind of people who will keep the law, who will do this doable law? Then verses 12 and 13 pick up 29.29. 29.29 was that little kind of stood out as an odd passage there, uh, but Moses comes back to it to develop it. There he write, or, or, or spoke to Israel, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Okay, so he's saying there are mysteries of God that belong to God, the secret things of God. We're not really responsible for those. But there's other things that have been revealed and they belong to us that we may do the words of this law. Well, now in verses 11, 12, and 13, Moses picks this up again. He says, the commandment is not far off. Okay, they, they belong to us. They're not far off. That is to say, they're not hard to find or understand. No one needs to go up to heaven for us and get the law and bring it down. Moses already serves as a mediator. He already went up on Mount Sinai. He had a vision of God in heaven. He already revealed the law to Israel. We don't need someone to go to the other side of the sea and bring it to us so we can hear it and do it. If you read pre-Christian philosophers, you have a bit of this sense of trying to get up to heaven or across the sea, saying, well, we see the world round about us, Plato or someone like that. And he has this analogy of the cave where he says, it's like we're in this cave and it's like people are walking outside the cave and we just see shadows from them passing on the wall and we try and figure out the reality of things. And apart from divine revelation, we can know some things about God. Paul tells us that actually we should be able to figure out all sorts of things about God, but because of our sinfulness, we don't. And so we're, we're left, you know, trying to get up to heaven as it were, or cross the sea to figure things out. But Moses says, no, you're not left in that situation. He says, no, rather, uh, you don't have to go to heaven. You don't have to cross the sea. Rather, the word is very near you. In fact, it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. And that echoes us back to the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 6, following on the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You'll write them on the doorposts of the gates. Okay, so it's going back to that. It's saying, no, this law is near to you. You have the law. You're supposed to teach your children the law. You're supposed to talk about the law, discuss it. When you're in your house, when you're out and about, the law should be very near to you so that you can do it. Okay, so the law is doable and knowable. It's simple in the sense that it's straightforward. It's clear what God requires. It's not necessarily easy to obey it. But I think we should read many of the Psalms at face value when the psalmists say, I've kept your law. That in general, the, the instructions given in Deuteronomy are doable. Okay, and of course, people break the law and they have to repent, and there's a series of sacrifices for accidentally breaking various laws. Uh, but in principle, it's not something that's undoable. Are there any uh, observations, comments, questions on, on this first section here, verses 11 through 14?
That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So assuming God's presence and 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 that kind of jumps ahead to verse twenty, He is your life and length of days. Um, but it is, it, we could say, well, Christ kept the whole law, but He was God and man. But you can say that in a way that downplays His full humanity as a truly fully human like you and I. He kept the law perfectly righteously. Um, of course, we're all tainted by sin, and so we're, we're bent out of shape, and that's why we can't do it. But it's not that in principle, it's not touching the ceiling. In principle, it's something a human being ought to be able to do. Yeah, Jan. And yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so that goes back to the 29.4 of you don't yet have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that desire. Yeah. So it is a, a, a desire. Um, some of the laws make the reason explicit why you should do them. Some, once you chew on them for a while, you can figure it out. And the one about not boiling a kid in its mother's milk, maybe there's reasons, but it, it appears three times, but we just really don't know. Or why certain animals you shouldn't eat. A goat, a kid, a child goat, yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't boil human children either, but uh, I think John and then Dan, yeah. That is, yeah, that in a sense, it seems onerous to follow his instructions. You're saying, okay, now I'm going to submit to an authority who tells me what to do. In one sense, that seems onerous, but once you start living it, you realize, okay, this is actually... It works. It's in accord with how we're designed and set up. Yeah. Yeah, Dan. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So those who have received revelation, the people of God who have received revelation, they have it near. Others, it is, it is like Plato trying to figure out. Um, and as we saw in Amos this summer, there's certain general things like you don't sell your brothers into slavery uh, that all humans ought to know. There's other elements of the Mosaic law that it's not apparent humans would ever come to the conclusion that that's what you ought to do apart from revelation. Okay, the second part then is a matter of life and death, verses 15 through 20. Life and death. Moses concludes these two chapters, it's a covenant and a sermon, by putting the decision simply. He says there's two ways set before you this day. On the one hand, there is life and good. On the other hand is death and evil. Kids, we have a lot of rain coming down, and you know where that rain ends up? Anyone? Yeah, Jack, Christian? It ends up in your pond? Okay. And what about the, wa- the water here at the church? Where does that end up? Do you guys know? No? No one knows? 
Yeah, Christian? It is a cycle, that's true. Yeah, it runs in, and part of that cycle, it runs into the Nooksack River here, and then it runs out into the ocean, doesn't it? Have you guys ever driven across the Continental Divide? Has anyone driven across that? I know Jan, Chris and Jan have a few. D does anyone know what the Continental Divide is? It's the dividing point where the two big watersheds in our country divide. And so on the west side of the Continental Divide, all the water eventually winds up in the Pacific Ocean. But on the east side of the Continental Divide, all the water eventually ends up in either the Gulf of Mexico or the Atlantic Ocean. But what that means is at the Continental Divide, there are points where two snowflakes can fall right next to each other. One will end up in the Pacific Ocean, the other will end up in the Atlantic Ocean. It's strange to think about. But two raindrops, two snowflakes on the Continental Divide can wind up in totally opposite directions. Well, what does that have to do with what Moses is saying here? He's setting before us a stark contrast. Okay, when you're standing on the Continental Divide, you say rain's falling. It's all around us. And yet Moses is looking at the end and he's saying there's these two opposite oceans and you're going to wind up in one or the other, either life or death, good or evil. He sets it up in a stark contrast. Now, as you go about your day, uh, your life, your week, your life, behaviors, attitudes, actions can seem not that far apart, okay? You might know that your parents are going to say, it's fine to have a cookie after dinner. Is it really that different to take a cookie before dinner? Your parents going to give you the cookie either way. What difference does it make? Right? Or adults, we can think of the same thing, that there's fuzzy gray areas. And we say, well, you know, it's not, it's not clear that this is stealing. It's not clear that this is misleading. I'll just let my coworker think what they think, even though that's not the truth. Uh, you know, it's kind of seems these gray areas that we can sort of say, you know, it's not totally clear if this is right or wrong. And yet Moses says there's actually a stark contrast that we're either heading towards life and the good or we're heading towards death and evil. They t the t are ultimately, we end up in two totally different directions. That basic contrast in verse 15, then verse 16. On the one hand, if you choose to obey, or on the one hand, verse 16 is life. He says, if you obey, how do you obey? And I, I think I mentioned in chapter 29, he kind of has this triplet rhythm, and we see this again. We obey by loving Yahweh your God, walking in his ways, and keeping his commandments, statutes, and rules, okay? So loving, walking, keeping. The result will be that you live, that you multiply greatly, and that Yahweh your God will bless you. That's life on the one hand, obeying by loving, walking, and keeping. On the other hand is death. He says, if your heart turns away, if your heart turns away, it starts in your heart. If your heart turns away, then you will not hear, and instead you will be drawn towards worship and service to other gods. The result is that you shall perish and not live long in the land. So the continental divide for Moses is God's commandment. And notice how the two paths begin. The one path begins by loving the Lord your God. 
The other path begins when your heart turns away. It's a matter of your heart disposition uh, that Jan was mentioning a minute ago. Where your heart turns, that starts to set you on a path that ultimately will end up in two fundamentally different places. Verse 19, Moses then says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. In ancient Near Eastern covenants, oftentimes, I think I've mentioned before, all sorts of gods in the Babylonian or Egyptian or whatever country it is in their, in their pantheon of gods are called to witness various covenant covenants and treaties. And it's thought the more witnesses you have, uh, the stronger your treaty is. Well, Moses doesn't believe in any god but the true god. And so who does he call as witnesses? He says, heaven and earth, creation itself is a witness against you. Moses sets these two ways before Israel, life and death, blessing and curse. And then in verses 19 and 20, he urges Israel. He's pleading with them, with Israel, with his people. He says, therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Choose life, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. Choose life. And then you see what it says. This actually picks up this theme. Oh, the real choice is set before God's people. Choose life. And then again, we have three things. That What does that look like, choosing life? Loving, obeying, and holding fast. But then do you see what he says? And this actually picks up uh, uh, sort of the same thing Nate was talking about earlier with Psalm 11. It says, for God himself is your life. For he is your life and length of days. Life ultimately is not found in the law, but in the lawgiver. The Lord himself is your life. You probably maybe hear here echoes of Joshua's more famous uh, sermon at the end of his life when he, when he says to Israel, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a similar thing. Uh, Joshua at the end of his life urging his people to choose life. Uh, Moses here urging his people to choose life. Are there questions or discussion on that? Yeah, Jesse. Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think sometimes, especially in sort of contemporary perspective, the law can seem like a list of arbitrary things. Okay, sleep with this person, don't sleep with that person, do this, don't do that. And it just seems arbitrary that it's sort of moralizing. And yet, the point Moses is making here and that you're picking up on Jesse is ultimately what is good is fully alive (laughs) and the things that are evil, they're evil because they are a way of participating in death as it were, that they don't lead to life um, and that it it leads to death in the individual, in the community, spiritually. Um, And so ultimately the, the ways that are being forbidden are destructive, uh, uh, that it is, you know, that's God saying, don't live that way because it's not good for you. Um, it's, 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 it's not, it will lead to your death. Um,
other comments or observations, questions? Well, what I want to end with is Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse so that in Jesus or in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come on the nations. Uh, Paul there is picking up the language of Deuteronomy. We've seen the curses uh, in chapter 29. Here's the blessings. Here's the curses. Uh, when you rebel against God, you'll end up in exile. You'll have these curses come upon you. Then you'll repent. You'll come back. Uh, Paul's picking up on all that, saying Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse uh, uh, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come on the nations. But that doesn't mean because the curse of the law is taken that then the, the law as a whole should be cast off. Rather, what Moses is saying here is he's saying there's two ways. One is the way of life that you should pursue. The other is the way of death. And he says, indeed, actually, God himself is your life. Okay, And we're meant to live in this way because it's a way that we can live with God. And so even if the curse of the law has been taken away, nevertheless, the law teaches us how to live in the way that is life. And so it should still instruct us and guide us. There's parts of the law that have been totally fulfilled in Christ, and so they don't really serve a function in guiding the way we worship. So we don't assemble together three times a year, uh, you know, with all the other churches in our area or something to offer sacrifices on Passover, those kinds of things uh, that Deuteronomy talks about. Some of those things have been fulfilled in Christ once for all work. And nevertheless, those things do point us to Christ's work, which we remember in the Lord's Supper. So even those ceremonial parts still uh, inform how we think about and understand our sacraments that we talked about this morning. Um, so the, when Paul talks then about the law bringing the curse, being set free from that, he's not saying then just cast this off and live however you want. It's still fundamentally, we're still faced with this choice of do we want to live the way that is good and living or do we want to pursue the way that is evil and death? I think that's, yeah, Dan. I think it's instructive that you don't say, Yeah. So that, that personalization uh, that, that Moses is pointing to here and Paul picks that up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Dan. And Christ becomes the continental divide then, that you're going to end up one way or the other, and that's the dividing point, is do you, uh, transposing these things, do you love Jesus or do you not love Jesus is fundamentally the issue. And then Jesus calls us, like John pointed out, to walk in his way, to take his yoke, his burden, uh, and to keep his commandments. Uh, and so, so Jesus, in a sense, takes that aspect of the law, becomes the curse. Yeah, thank you, Dan. That's a great, great point. Yeah, Nate. Yeah. Now here's the offspring of 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in a sense, getting God, the land is only second best then. It's a placeholder. Uh, and so they got the true reward that the land only points to in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, great, great point. All right, well, let's uh, pray then, and then I think, Nate, you said you had one more, one more hymn. Lord, we need to be confronted with the black and white choice that there is life and death, good and evil. Moses calls us to choose, to choose life. Lord, we ask that we would choose life, but Moses also reminds us that ultimately that's not something we can do on our own power, that we need eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. And so we need your spirit to be at work in our hearts. Lord, we do ask that we would choose life and good, that we would pursue it. We ask that we would love you, that we would love Christ Jesus, your son, that we would walk in his ways, and that we would keep your commandments, statutes, and rules. Lord, protect us. It's easy for our hearts to turn away. It's easy for us to stop hearing. It's easy for us to be drawn to worship false gods. And so protect us. Guard our hearts. Hold us fast on your path. We thank you for Moses' work as an intercessor. And mediator, we thank you that through him, your word has been revealed. So it's not far away, but it's straightforward. It's here. It can be in our mouths even tonight as we discuss your word. Lord, be with us as we go out into uh, our various homes and places of work tonight and this week. Help us from the students uh, to those of us who are working, to those of us who are retired, that each of us would glorify you by the way that we spend our week and where we put our energy. Amen.